15. The speed of Pico. He's in. Score. Fafa for another Union. This is the KOW Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW's Greg Orlandini with Mike Cervetio of the Philly Soccer Page. This week, the union's performance director, Garrison Draper, talks about getting the team ready as they head into preseason. So the Philadelphia Union are getting ready for preseason. Guys are starting to filter in. What's uh, what's preseason look like for, for you in the sports science and the performance department? Yeah, it's it's been a really productive and busy offseason. Um, our process sort of started on November 1st and 2nd, and we did a whole battery of tests with the guys. Um, and then pretty much from November 9th until um, – Preseason starts on the 22nd. We've had guys in the facility um, or up at our academy at YSC training with us and sort of being part of our program. So it's been a really great and productive offseason for us. There's, there's obviously some of the guys that, that go further away for, for the offseason. What is your communication like with those guys? Yeah, it it's lucky that I, I have such an understanding life because I'm constantly on my cell phone and on my computer <laughs> sort of chatting with them. Um, but it, it's, it's just that it's, it's communication. Um, Matt Siniskalki, who's our um, strength and conditioning coach, he's designed some really great programs. And then a lot of it is just sort of following up with them. Hey, what do you need from me? Do you need me to connect you with a strength coach in the area? We had a couple of guys who did that this year. Um, where even though they weren't with us, we have some very trusted friends in the field, and so we were able to connect and sort of give them a different taste of the training world. So this is probably a question more for the players that come from uh, come from overseas. Do you ever run into, you say, like cultural differences as far as like some players, what their perception of fitness is, what their perception of nutrition is, and trying to get what the team wants kind of aligned with uh, – kind of their perception or is it pretty a universal concept no it's it's just like food there's a whole bunch of different ways to consume it but um we have our beliefs at the union and so we really try and instill those and a great example is harris um and we're very fortunate to have harris around because he's an excellent example for all of our young players but he was joking with me actually today He's like, this is the longest off-season I've ever had. I'm so glad that we had a good program in place because I've never been off for two months. Since I was 15 years old, I've never had a two-month break. And so um, a lot of it's about communication. Hey, I, I feel like this is my strength. I want to get better at this. And then Matt and I can sort of develop a good program from that. And we might use different exercises than they're accustomed to, but – what we try and do is sort of explain what our thought process is and then the rest of it sort of follows from that. So obviously 2017 didn't go the way that the union wanted it to on the field and in the standings, but from the, the sports science perspective, how did you evaluate the, the team from last year? Did you think that they, you know, passed with flying colors? Did you think that there was still guys that, that needed to put in some extra work this off season? Yeah, I I think when we look at the club, we're always a club that's looking to develop and really um, maximize players' potential. And I I think, again, this year we did a good job, but there's always room for improvement. When we look at a lot of the 
the data and the actual performances, um, our players were able to, we performed more high-speed running this year than we had in previous years. We covered more distance than we had in previous years. So it's it's been interesting being here now. This is starting my fifth year in the club, and it's been fun to watch the progression. And each year it seems we're adding some different facets of the game from the physical side into our repertoire. So it, it's going up, but we still have a ways to go, and we're never going to accept anything but the best. Do you have kind of different expectations for players? Like you look at a one player, maybe more veteran guy. Okay, he's 31. He did X last year. We can expect him to maybe lose a little bit in this category or that category. Do you try to examine that and kind of manage expectations that way? Um, we actually typically look the other way. And so I think Ilsenio is a really good example. When you look at his sort of historical career, um, he came into the union um, with maybe a little bit of a weight problem. And you look at the years leading up to him joining the union, he only played 18 games a year. And so by us last or last year, um, having him play in, um, I think he played in 25 or 27 matches across all competitions. That's a really positive thing for us. But what happens to a lot of these older guys is we put a little bit more expectations on their training. They may not be doing everything on the field. They may get some days where they're sort of inside doing things, but there's, it's not just a day off. It's not them laying on the treatment table, getting a massage. It's, you're putting in work in other places to sort of build up the resiliency to continue to push the way that we want you to push. So obviously more, more of the first team players are going to be arriving over the next week or week or so. And then there's, there's preseason in, in Philly for a couple of days. And then you guys head down to Florida. What does, what did the next couple of weeks hold for you on a daily basis? Yeah. So it's an interesting process. I'm, I'm really excited actually about this week because we probably have 60 to 75% of the first teamers already here in Philadelphia. So we're able to get a little bit of a soft start and incorporate guys back into sort of getting used to training. So hopefully next week, some of that initial soreness that happens from having a month or two off is a little bit less so we can, we can start that preseason off right. Once we start the official preseason, so our Monday is our, our entrance physicals, and that's a beast of a process because we have to have them go through and see our orthopedic surgeons. We have to have them see our neuropsychologists. Um, they'll get EKGs to check their heart, and if they need further um, cardiovascular testing, they go and get echoes. And then in the afternoon, they'll actually start some of their performance testing. So we'll start doing the mobility test, check the um, adductors, see how much range of motion they have there, how much strength they have there. And then we start training. So we hop right into it. Tuesday through Friday, we'll be down at UPenn. And um, it's a six-week build-up to our first match, and we're going to use every single second that's available to us. So it's sort of go, go, go from Monday until we return to Philadelphia on the I believe it's the 26th of February. There's just a small break in there um, in the middle of it. So 
I, I think you guys are going to be down in the bubble at Penn, but it's it's been pretty cold outside. Is there anything that you do precautionary when the weather is as cold as it's been? Yeah, there's there's some good research on when we have to be careful about how much skin is showing and taking breaks to rewarm. Fortunately, we're in the bubble, so it sort of removes the wind factor, which is always um, one of the more dangerous. The wind chill is one of the more dangerous things that we'll encounter in this weather. But there's actually some other advantages to training in the cold because we actually are able to perform for longer at our intensities because we don't have that heat factor in there. Mm. Yeah, we just remember uh, talking to Harris last year after maybe a couple weeks after the opening match, which was quite frigid, and he was expressing how you know uncomfortable it was for the players out there in that first game. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you talk about you know being cognizant of that and uh, uh, preparing. So. In this in this stage well, of pre- I sorry, Greg, to interrupt you, but yeah. don't forget to ask him how he feels when we go to Houston in July. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Will. <laughs> yeah, he gets both ends of the spectrum, I guess. But uh, so at at this point, are you uh, sitting down with the uh, the coaching staff, or like you said, you're getting you have all the guys doing the intake and testing them, getting them ready, and getting all your data ready. When when does that process where you sit down with Jim and the other guys and the staff to kind of talk about what you have and kind of what they need, and when, when does that start coming together? Um, I'm really fortunate. My desk is actually right across the way from Jim's, so I can literally turn in my chair and I'm staring right at Jim. And that's a huge advantage for me. I'm very lucky in my role because not everyone in my role has that opportunity to be right next to the manager. So these conversations are always happening. And there's emails going back and forth. I'm sure if you hear my phone buzz during this interview, it's probably Ernie or Jim or Chris <laughs> um, in preparation for um, preseason. So it's it's already started. We have a very good framework of what's going to happen. And having worked with Jim now for three years, I, we have a good understanding of each other, what I'm looking for in different phases of preseason and how he will structure the sessions. And so it's, it's an easier process for us to sort of share ideas. And we have some new things coming in. I think the guys are in for a very pleasant surprise when it comes to how we're going to build out some of our training sessions and some new ideas. Um, but the process of planning is, is sort of normal conversation because it's, it's something that both Jim BJ um, and I are very passionate about, and I'm excited to hear um, what Tim and Pat Noonan bring to this uh, conversation as well. I'm glad that you brought those two guys up because <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Um, so the union just announced uh, the, the, new, the two new coaches today. Um, have you already been in contact with them? Do you have a relationship with, with those guys, and do they have thoughts about what you're, what you're doing? Um, so I have not met with Tim yet. I've, I've seen him in passing. He's sort of that silver fox that you always sort of notice when you go out to San Jose. But the um, with Pat, I've actually met him a couple of times. When we were out in L.A. last year, we sort of took an extended trip out there. We were able to train up there. And so I went and met with some of the U.S. national team staff, sort of shared my thoughts on how we can improve the conversation between the clubs and the national team and obviously Pat was there. So I was able to have some quick conversations with him and I'm really excited to work with him. He, he comes with some really great references about what a great guy he is to work with. So I'm excited. 
I think I, I've got one last one for you, and I, ho- I hope it's a, it's a little bit of a, a tougher one. So, I, <laughs> um, so obviously you have great communication with these guys over the off season, but you always run the risk of of someone coming in and maybe not following the plan or not being up to to the speed where you want them to be. Um, and I'm not going to name any names here, but how do you, how do you deal with with that when it happens? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult process. We all sort of look at I think it's an interesting thing because we all look at preseason with these rose colored glasses. Everyone's gonna come and fit. Everyone's gonna try their hardest. There's gonna be no injuries. It's gonna be a perfect preseason. And that's very rarely the case. And so luckily in our staff we have some very great professionals. And so I can sort of look to my staff members, whether it be Paul and Steve on the medical side, um, Brad and Matt more on the performance side, Dr. Christina Fink on psychology, and then our nutrition consultant, um, Myrie Dardarian from Drexel. And I can sort of say, like, these are the areas we need to focus on as an athlete. I need you guys from your standpoint to really think about it. So we sort of have this multifaceted approach to any athlete. And it's not just when they come in in a very bad spot. It's also when they're excelling and we want to continue sort of wringing out the, the performances from them. How do we help that as well? So it's something that happens every day in our performance department meetings. And then for some of those guys where they're struggling just a little bit, they might get a little more time in those conversations than others. Well, I'm, I'm sure you don't want to give any of the, the current guys big heads, but is, is there anybody that you've been impressed with in the offseason or in, the, in the, the week or two that guys have been coming back? There's, there's been a really good group, but I, I think Derek Jones has been extremely consistent with his training. I think that was one thing Jim challenged him with during the offseason is can you be more consistent with your performances? And during this offseason, he's been great. Austin Trusty's been in a, a ton. Anthony Fontana um, has been working really hard. So those young guys have been here in Philadelphia since November 10th with maybe a couple of little breaks. Derek was off at Bournemouth. And I have some close friends there that said he did very well while he was away in Bournemouth. Um, and then, like, I I spoke with Adam Najem a ton over the offseason, Jack Elliott in the U.K. There's a good group of guys that have been working very hard. That's good to hear. It's exciting. Sounds great. Uh, Garrison, thank you very much. You sound like a very busy man uh, as you as you get ready with the Philadelphia Union for the preseason and ultimately the season. So once again, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Garrison. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm glad to be on. Yep. Take care. Uh, Garrison Draper of Philadelphia Union, performance director, sports science guy, uh, all-around interesting dude. I had him on two years ago, I think. It was about two years ago, and really gave a great insight in that interview and kind of the mechanism of sports science. And he he touched on some of the stuff we had talked about previously just his relationship with Jim and how they're kind of always kind of going back and forth with ideas and planning and, and things like that. And you know, the challenges of the off season, uh, sorry, play of you not to name any names. <laughs> for we we all guy. know the names. We don't need to name them. Yeah. At this point. Well, anyway, one, one guy's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're under the bridge. Um, and it's interesting, especially the end of that interview, talking about the guys that have been in Philly and it's, you know, Najem, Fontana, Trusty, Jones, and as we sit today, those are the guys that are probably going to shoulder a lot of what's going to happen in this season. 
barring some reinforcements coming in. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way. I guess it, it's. It, I, I think everybody's still waiting to hear if there's going to be or when there's going to be a signing. But um, you know, I think Derek Jones will have have to have a bigger role this year. Adam yeah. DeGem seemingly has to have a much bigger role mm-hmm. this year. So it's it's nice to hear that those guys are the named and the the guys that have been yeah. working hard this off season and because because you. I mean, it sounds like they're counting on those guys to make big jumps. And I think Trusty's been marked to make a jump, and I think Fontana's going to be a kid that makes the 18 a lot, uh, at least. Um, just, just again, sitting here with a... <laughs> I mean, they're not, they don't have any signings right now, but these are kind of the young crop, and all of them are kind of tagged to make that step this year, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's good to hear. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to beat the dead horse here, and still, but you you'd still love to hear of a veteran or two coming in to help kind of bring bring these guys mm-hmm. along a little a little further in their positions. No, I, I still think they need veterans at a variety of positions. Yeah. Center back. Um, my biggest concern at center back is I don't I don't know if Josh Yarrow has a full season in him. Yeah. And, and and I mean, what what is your thought? Who is the starting center back pairing for you today? I think there's a really good chance you're going to see Elliot and Trusty. Yeah. I think that's a. I, I'm not I, saying just, it's I, ideal. I don't know anything about Trusty. I, I don't mean, think I've, met, I've met him. I, we've had yeah. him on, but I don't think it's ideal. I don't think it's not what I personally would like to see. I would like to see unnamed veteran and Elliot and. Kind of your your depth chart looks like unnamed veteran Elliot. I just I tru- just, trusty Yarrow. Where does Richie Barquez? Where was he at the end of last year? I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I, know. I, he he was he was kind of the forgotten man for a big chunk of the season. Yeah, what him and you know he, him and and Keegan were the two forgotten men for a big chunk of the season last year. So I don't know where he fits right now. And. Trusty's an academy guy, a guy they like a lot, so you think he, he moves up the chart a bit. Um, but, again, if they don't sign, make that unnamed veteran sign, signing maybe Marquez is the veteran guy you plug in there. I got my concerns about Josh here. I, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of attributes. He, he struggled mightily because, you know, he missed the preseason, missed training camp, was hurt for a good half of the season, got in there and just had no timing, no chemistry with anybody around him. And he suffered. Yeah. And the team suffered. Yeah. I mean, I won't disagree with you. And I, I think you've known my viewpoint on Josh right, should for be, a long time. He should, should be a six. He should be a six. Yeah. Uh, I think he would be a tremendous six. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, mean, I don't think he has the, 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 the physical attributes to be a center back. Mm-hmm. In MLS, um, you know, I, th- I think during his rookie year, we we were pleasantly surprised that he was able to 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 compete with a little bit of a smaller statute. Yeah, but I think he was really exposed last year, and and I know I know Jim likes to put a lot of that on the the early injury that he suffered, and he never really got up to to speed. But he, I mean, he had three or four months by the end of the season, yeah. and he was still really not rounding into form. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think. Hopefully, Garrison Draper works his magic with, with yeah. Josh Yarrow in the the preseason yeah. and and did in the offseason. I mean, I I I would like to see him in a position where he gets. I well, I think his best attributes are his feet. Yeah, where he's really really good and calm with the ball and and 
maybe he's a little higher up the pitch where he has a little more space to operate and not every mistake or decisions a do or die situation like you are, like it is when you're a center back. You know, I'd like to maybe see that, but I, I, he, the player says he's a center back. The coach was just saying he's a center back, so today he's a center back. Yeah. Um, um, some some business that the union uh, have done, I mean, we, you, you touched on it. We'll talk about that first. You touched on it with uh, Garrison, with uh, Tim Hanley, and uh, Pat Noonan coming in uh, as your goalkeeper coach and assistant coach, respectively. Uh, Noonan was a longtime MLS guy. Hanley's been in – the coaching ranks, the goalkeeping coaching ranks for a while. I think uh, coming from San Jose and, and for, you know, various other stops, but comes with a good resume. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, worked I mean, with some of the better keepers that have played in the league. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, it's, it's hard to evaluate yeah. coaches and assistant coaches. Uh, like you said, Pat Noonan's a guy that, that knows the league pretty well, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say, which is, is, a, is a really nice thing. You know, I think – he he's got to know Jim pretty well. They're they're about the same yeah, age. The they played, yeah. played against each other for a long time. Um, I, I I think the team needed another set of eyes, or needs yeah. another set of eyes. And yeah, I think no, I think they some fresh eyes some, are always a good thing. Fresh eyes and some fresh ideas. Yeah, tactically, because I mean, we that was the other horse yeah. we beat to death last year was just you know the rigidness with the formation. So maybe having another guy that comes in that maybe works with the kind of the day in day out guy with the first team could. Get a little more out of that. Um, I got into a back and forth. I forget who it was. I apologize if you're listening, whoever Twitter person I was going back and forth with, uh, talking about signings, Biswelsi talk or lack of Biswelsi talk about the union and my desire for more scoring depth. And I think I, I, it's a guy from the one of your new guys from Philly soccer page, and his name escapes me. I apologize. I don't want to feel like kind of futz around on my phone while I'm trying to record this. But uh, he brought up the point, well, then they brought up Corey, Corey Burke, which is fine, which is fine. It's not a big signing. It's in any other sport you promoted a guy from your minor league team. That's fine. That's all well and good. And you brought it up, I think, the last podcast is whatever you want to say about Roland Alberg, that's 10 goals that walked out the door. Can you get, okay, say lightning strikes twice, we get 15, 16, 70 goals out of CJ again next year. Let's let's say that and work from there. Can you, from Jay Simpson and Corey Burke, can you get 10 goals from those two players? It's it's, <laughs> it's hard to make a guess because, I mean, we've seen so little of both. I yeah. mean, uh, Jay Simpson hardly got a run out in the team last year. You know, I, th- I think it, he's, he's a frustrating case because it's, it's a thing where it's a player on quite a bit of money that – didn't really get a chance to play his preferred position with a lot of time last year. Um, he looks like he has goals in him. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's generally a pretty positive person when you put him on the field. I think he's he's got shooting boots. Um, I don't think he fits into the system. I haven't thought he's fit into the system since last year. He's since a two-striker two, two <laughs> guy who plays well in a two-striker set, and right. we don't play with a two-striker set in Philadelphia. Um, and then bringing in Corey Burke, it's it's – it's a crapshoot. Is is Corey Burke going to make the eighteen every week? Are they going to have two strikers on the bench in a, mm-hmm. in a system where they only play with one striker yeah. at a time? I, I mean, that, that's the thing. Can you figure out a way to get two strikers on the field? I don't know. Yeah. Um, are you going to get more goals from your midfield this year without Allberg in it? Um, you know, Fafa Paco had a pretty good run of, mm-hmm. of goal scoring form for for periods last year, but also some really 
poor decision-making in the final third for periods last year. Uh, Marcus Epps is a uh, second-year guy that you yeah. got. You were able to get a couple of goals out of I'm, last year. He, he's, he, got a, he, he's a guy that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not going to find a, a guy that places, replaces Chris Pontius. He's the guy that likes to go at goal, and he likes to take a look at yeah. goal at least. And can you get okay? Can you get ten goals out of Marcus yeah. Epps and Fafa Pico? Where you know where one guy that we're not talking about too? I want to mention this while we're, we're talking goal scoring is Fabian Herbers. It's like it's almost a new signing because he yeah. missed so much of last season, and he's he's a guy that I think will score goals. I, I think he's he's shown a nose for net. I think his rookie year. Um, there were, there was some decision making in the final third that, w- that wasn't quite there, and the, the speed of the game is is always difficult for the guys from from college to grasp. But hopefully, coming in as a third year player now, he's a guy that that can really score some from I, the I, wing. I've been on the record; I'm a big Fabian guy because I think he's got a good engine, but he also he's not just a runner. He has some his refinement to his game. He has pretty good instincts. He's, yeah. he's got he's got good soccer IQ. I'm a big. Fabian guy, and I'd like to see him play more centrally. Again, we're running into the thing that the system doesn't dictate that. He's more of a striker than a midfielder, so you're not going to play him, play a two-striker system, so he's not going to play centrally. How often do we talk about the players on the team not fitting the system? And then, constantly. And then no player sliding. Constantly. constantly. <laughs> um, so he's a guy I'd like to see get in the center more. I mean, he, he t- does a bit when he's on the right, he'll drift in He'll take a look into the center, but I'd like to see it maybe from Jump Street raise that opportunity maybe to start in the center, maybe have an opportunity to go out, look, out to the right, kind of like uh, Chaco used to do. Chaco used to he would start yeah. in the center and kind of look for space on the left. I well, mean, maybe a situation like that. I certainly felt that that was missing for for large points of last year. Is just the the interchange of that three mm-hmm. in the four two three one is that you often last year you often saw. Fafa Pico running up the left side, and you saw Chris Pontius running up the right side, and whoever happened to be in the middle that day, if it was Ilsenio, if it was yeah. someone else, they were very rigid. But when you watch other teams that play with that three, there's a lot more interchange. Yeah. Players have the freedom to switch wings. There's there's the communication of moving into the center. There's there's making triangles and, and moving players around that way. And you, you don't see the union do that a lot. And as much as, you know, especially his first year, I'm much, you know, and he was a hard worker last year. As much as I like Chris Pond is, yeah, he's very much, you stick him on that wing, he's staying on that wing. Yeah. And same thing with Pico. I think he drifts a little more. I think he'll 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 make that, that, that post run a little more. But he's he's a guy that wants to get wide and stay wide and use his speed just to burn guys. Apps I haven't seen a, enough of to really make a decision on what kind of player he is. He, he's aggressive and he's an offensive player that much, I could tell you. I don't know if. There's enough. I've seen enough of his game to know, like when he's out on the field, where he's most comfortable, where he wants to go. Um, yeah, I agree, and that's something I've advocated for, like having that three to rotate around to be able to, you know, if a guy goes wide, guy cuts in on either wing, if you know, something like that, that just to keeps the defense guessing. But that's the other thing we we were saying a lot last year was they're predict they're offensively predictable. Yeah, and. Yeah, and, and if you have that kind of fluidity in that in that three in that four two three one, that that at least keeps the defense a little more honest. Yeah, um, and it'll be interesting to see how Ali Bedoya and Harrison Junior didn't fit into that. You know, we don't know if it'll be that inverted triangle. Yeah. We don't know um, if if there'll be a straight up holding midfielder with a guy like Derek Jones coming into the yeah. side. So I, you know, I think both of those guys have really good soccer IQs, which I think is is great, and I think. 
Ali Bedoya does a ton of dirty running, yeah. which he doesn't get credit for. I, th- I think you see it a lot more with the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Harris, too. I, I think, you know, I don't think Harris has the, the engine that some of the other guys do, but yeah. I think he's, he's probably, without a doubt, probably the, the, the best passer on the team. Oh, he, he is by far. I mean, he, he, can make the, he can make the final pass. What do you think of, um, let's say just for the sake of this argument, let's say, we'll say Elsino's at your 10 for, just for this argument, a, a midfield with Bedoya on the right, and your two in front of the back four would be Harris and Jones. Where Harris is more the eight, pushing forward. I, I would be okay with that. You know, I think because I think you get more of your better players on the field if you do that. I think with the current lineup, yeah, I think you do. Yeah. Um, I I was I was surprised that we didn't see Bedoya tried on the wing a little bit more mm-hmm. last season because I, I think he's a guy that that has good offensive instincts when you get him further mm-hmm. up the field. Um, and he's not going to get as far up the field if he's playing in that that eight role. Because he likes to, I mean, he's a guy, when you saw him playing, playing a little higher, he, he's a guy, he's more, he likes to crash the box. And you could do that from the wing. He could come yeah. in and crash the box and maybe get a dirty goal and, and, and do that. And he's defensively sound yeah. enough. He could defend from, he could defend kind of whatever position he's at. He's a good enough defender. If you put him wing, he's a good defender out wide or in the center. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's a very good player. So I think, I don't, I don't think his game would suffer with him out there. And he's played. I think with the national he's team, played every nods. midfield role. Yeah, I think that nods, you can yeah. play. I mean, he's played just about every role. So, and I, and I think you just get more of your better players out there. And I think you really need to do that. I I think you need to figure out how to get your best players out there. Yeah, I mean, especially if if Derek Jones has taken a little bit of a jump in the mm-hmm. off season. You know, I think he started the season strong last last season, and I think Jim Curtin had some criticisms of the way he trained. And you heard yeah. Garrison Draper just touch on that a little bit um and that he's been working on on being a more consistent player so if 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 he's going to be one of the best 11 players on the team i think you make room for him mm-hmm. absolutely and he's a guy and like i said those four guys that draper mentioned at the end you know fontana trusty jones and, and the jam are going to be really important this year just because of what you haven't done yeah you're making these guys more important which if they're ready they're ready if they can make the step, they can make the step, but yeah. it's to be determined. And uh, I mean, the gem's the guy I really wanted to see. The gem, I thought, and that was just kind of the way it was kind of communicated at the end of the year for those guys not getting on the field. Him specifically, I thought he needed to be on the field a lot more at the he end of the been. year. I was out of doubt. I, 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 think, mean, I think we touched on this at the end of last yeah. season. I, I and I still think it was ridiculous that the Jim Curtin didn't didn't run, run out some of the younger guys for, for some of those later games last yeah. year. And I th- I think he needed to be out there and and I know Jim made the argument well you we don't want a, a starting eleven of all young guys no you don't and I nobody's asking nobody was asking for that but I would have been fine with that personally <laughs> but I mean it could all go to hell. I mean the, the, the last two months of the season were essentially lost yeah what what, what did we what did we gain by by throwing Chris Pontius out there. Right, every no, one I, of those I, games, I, I knowing that we weren't going to re-sign him in the off season. I, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, the other bit of business that the team did today, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, uh, Andre Blake officially back in the fold, long-term contract, multi-year contract. Don't know how many years, but you have to assume it's for a lot of money. We'll see when the when the when the salaries come out mid-season, as they usually do, you would assume he's probably... He's got to be in the top three or four paid goalkeepers. Oh, yeah, and he's probably second highest, after Ali right now, second highest paid player or in that range. He's your best player. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I think that there's there's a couple of schools of thought on this, and I saw, I saw our friend Kevin Kincaid talking about this, is that goalkeeper in MLS is not a position that you typically need to, to sink a ton of money into, but I think the union are a special case mm. because it's a, it's a team right now without a lot of star power. Um, you don't have a lot of marketability along these guys. Um, I think Andre is, without a doubt, one of the better goalkeepers in the league. Yeah. So I think you can pay a premium for a really good goalkeeper in this <laughs> league, and that's that's. I don't think that's a bad move for the team. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the contract extension is great. I think it gives you a little bit of flexibility if if a European team does come calling for him, that mm-hmm. you have him locked up, and you're going to get a bit of a fee for him, right. um, which has been a problem in MLS as a whole yeah. of, of letting players go on a free. Um, so I, I think it was. I think it was a fair bit of business for the union. I think. I think they can be happy with that. And I, I and I think that was the other thing that maybe either the player or the agent may have overvalued because we saw you saw that some some articles out. Well, you know, there's interest, but we had paperwork issues and this that. So I think there's also there was a, a point where his overseas value or his market value may have been overplayed a little bit too. Yeah, I don't think he probably his he was probably highest value was right after the Gold Cup last mm-hmm, year, which mm-hmm. put in a tremendous performance. Yeah. And I think he came back to the Union and, and had a really solid second half to the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, coming back from the injury and all, but um, so that's pretty much. Uh, there's a, there's a draft happening. At. There is a draft. The, uh, yeah. the MLS draft. It is in the when, when, uh, when you watch the first round, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, the Union currently don't have a pick in the first round. There's been rumbles of. The union trading up, which seems silly to me because That's, it doesn't seem like a really hard, big, dra- really solid draft class. Let's Com- talk about that real quick. And the and the it's, it's those rumbles seem to quiet down. And some some people, yeah, I heard rumbles that they were going to trade up, and I heard rumbles that yeah. the rumbles were and that they were going to use uh, TAM money to do it. You know, all the various yeah. buckets of cash that the teams have to do different things, and that's not the point of targeted allocation money. At least I thought. It's for apparently they use it for Andre's contract. That's fine. You want to keep your yeah. own player, you can pay down a contract. That's fine. Or to bring players in. The league did it, I think, you know, globally to strengthen the league, to give teams opportunities to bring more players from overseas or, you know, national team players are playing overseas and, and, and all that or to, you know, you know, stuff like that. And to use it to, to make a move for a draft pick. Where the importance of the MLS draft is is up, uh, is up for debate at, at this point in a, in in the league's uh, continuing evolution, uh, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, would, I don't want to say it, but it would be so union, wouldn't? <laughs> so um, I, that's not a thing I'm for. If they could get into the first round and do it economically, fine, good, because you still need bodies somehow, somewhere. Yeah. To, to come in uh i think i think with the way that this offseason has gone trading up in the draft is not a move that the fans want to see though no no it's really not it's it's and i think you're compounding the mistake you made to get rid of your first round pick to get charlie davies yeah i think if Man. you spend anything of value now to get that pick back you're just you're just compounding a mistake yeah so yeah that's I don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know, I, 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 from a personal perspective, I'm kind of hoping the union sit tight, you mm-hmm. know, grab, are able to grab a couple of 
players of need that that maybe have some time to develop in Bethlehem from the draft. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the that's the strongest. Class. I, ha- I have no problem with that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a big home run in this. Uh, no. in this that's it. I th- from what I was reading, the the best player in the the, the draft is a center back. Yeah, we the Union do not need a young a, center back. Yeah, the, that's the kind of See, the it's, last it seems thing. Seems like a position that's uh, pretty full. That's the last thing they need. Um, so I will be actually be at the draft. Not sure what I will be doing. Uh, just wandering around. There's, so, there's so, going to be some Philly soccer page presence. It's not, if, not me, but if, check out. If you see me, say hi. Yeah. You know, maybe you know, buy me a beer or something. Uh, so I think we're going to wrap it up on that. Unless you want to talk about Arsenal for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my Wang God. her out. Yeah, please. <laughs> just, just, it's, it's just, you know, we're just limping towards the end of the season at this point. <laughs> out of the FA Cup, selling all your players. Theo Walcott going to Everton. Hey, that was a great little bit of business. That though. wasn't bad. You know what? I mean, I, I kind of root for Everton as, as a second it, yeah. or third team. Um, and I was disappointed to see Theo wanted, Walcott want, going for three years I, for I a ton the, of money. I wanted the Union to get Walcott. That was my, uh, that was my pipe dream. But no. Nah. Um, maybe a couple of years when he's 30 and he gets, but you know, the thing with Walcott, Walcott I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into the, uh, the arsenal here, but the thing with Walcott is he was always a guy you're always waiting for, you know, you're always waiting for him to make that leap to, you know, and it never quite happened. Be, be in a place like where, you know, Wayne Rooney was the, yeah. or, or, or where Harry Kane is now that next great English player. And you're just, you're just always told it's going to happen. And, and he's the guy, he's one of the guys and it just never quite happened. But the, the one bright spot is that it's like kind of the resurrection of Jack Wilshire. Yeah. Who's played, uh, who's been, I think, Arsenal's best player in the last like month or so. Just really playing that deeper role, just the guy that pushes the team. And unfortunately, there's nobody in front of him anymore, or there won't yeah. be by the end of the month. But, but he, I see. I've seen a rumor that you're you're interested in a pretty prominent striker from the German league. Uh, which one? Cur- currently plays with a, a U.S. international in a yellow jersey. Have uh, you not yeah. seen that rumor? I've seen a few rumors. I I I, I don't believe things until they happen. Uh, so especially uh, with Arsenal. Yeah, but, uh, I mean that's fair enough. Okay, so enough. How's writing? Uh, oh man, <laughs> you, terrible. You, you started this. Yeah. No, writing. I, I Won their FA Cup uh, third round tie in a in a replay that's, against League Two Stevenage. That's something Arsenal couldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's been a rough year for yeah, Reading. I think um, they they've been as bad as they were good last year. So uh, it's been it's, it's, that's it's, it's not been not been fun. It's one of those seasons where I'm I'm waiting for it to end in January, right, and just right. hoping that we can stay, stay mid table yeah. and not get relegated out of the championship. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, after being in the playoff last year, it's 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 tough, but. Before we wrap up, just a little bit of business here on our end, and I'm terrible at this. I'm not the best self promoter in the world, but my uh, my boss Tom Rickert, who is the uh, the man that keeps the podcast engine moving here at KYW News Radio, he's the man behind the scenes. He does a lot of great production work with the podcast, and uh, you know, it's helped me out a little bit, just kind of giving me guidance with things to do with the show. But he asked me to ask you, our listeners, to if you listen to us on iTunes, go on to iTunes. And give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, it helps the show. It kind of boosts the 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? Bo- the reach. The reach of the show. Thank you. It boosts the reach of the show and the profile of the show. The more reviews something has, good reviews. If you know, if it's a bad review, fine. It's a bad review. You don't like us, whatever. But you know, we don't take love, it personally. Not really. But if you you know, if you want to go out there, put a four, five, ten star review. Tell you a ten star review. Is it ten stars? <laughs> I you think it's five. But. Five. You want to do, give us a star review, maybe write a little something and what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, whatever. 
but you know the reviews help and uh so if you could and i put kind of put that out on twitter and on facebook as well but if you guys you know have a spare moment and just want to hop on itunes and give us a review uh i would uh, really appreciate that and to, to second that too if, if if you have things that you're you're interested in hearing us talk about we're all yours on twitter uh i want to shout out uh, i think george for for recommending uh we do garrison draper yep. again um, because that, that basically he he mentioned that to to me on Twitter last week. I mentioned it to you, and and we had him on the show this week. So right. you know, if if you think of of if there's uh, folks out there you you'd like to hear us talk to, or if there's ideas you want to hear us discuss, you know, hit us up on Twitter. All right. On that note, I want to thank Garrison for joining us, talking about the preseason. Uh, thank Mike for sitting in the old uh, co-hosting chair, and we will catch everyone next week. <laughs>